This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Any news today, Tito, at all? (laughs) (laughs) Dang, Rosie. That's your job. This is the Rosie Report. The next round's on Rosie, and we'll read his credit card number here in just a moment. Regular season roundup. Catch it, Rosie. Nicely done, Rosebud. Now, here's Jim Rosenhaus. Well, the Indians made it through back-to-back doubleheaders after the Memorial Day doubleheader with the White Sox. They split a pair with the Sox to open up a four-game series, and now it is on to Game 2 on Tuesday night with Shane Bieber on the hill for the Tribe. And welcome in to another edition of the Rosie Report regular season roundup as we recap a lot of baseball. Man, what a weekend. And on into the Memorial Day Monday doubleheader with the White Sox. The Sox won the opener 8-6 to six in extra innings. The, the game went eight innings and the Sox scored three times in the top half of the eighth to end up winning by that final score of 8-6. to six. But the Indians able to bounce back and take the nightcap by a final score of 3-1, to one, thanks to a Jose Ramirez home run in the third inning. Lots to get to on this show a little bit later on. We'll check in and get some perspective on the White Sox and what they've been doing, the team that the Indians may end up trying to chase down most of the summer as uh, they're off to a very good start, as expected. And we'll visit with Darren Jackson, longtime major leaguer, who is now a a longtime part of their radio crew with uh, Len Casper. And they were in town uh, starting to travel, and that's uh, what Tom and I are hoping for as well on this upcoming road trip. So great to see the White Sox broadcasters, and we'll visit with DJ at uh, the tail end of this podcast. But first, a look back at the twin bill with Tribe Manager Terry Francona. Tito, what did you, you think of Quantrill? You know what? I thought he was pretty good. Um, we we kind of had a soft number in 55, and he actually exceeded that a little bit. Um, but I thought he held his stuff really well. And... Again, the idea is trying to get him a little bit stretched out, but you don't want to do it too much too quick. Um, but I thought he really did well. What did you I think of your bullpen? It, I thought he treated it just kind of like he's been in the bullpen. He didn't warm up long. I think he threw 14 pitches, and, and he, he threw the ball like he's been throwing it out of the pen, which I think is really good. Speaking of the pen, what did you think of the work your pen did? You know what? They, they did a good job, especially with guys down from, from the first game. Whitgren, Nelson, uh, Maton, right, you know, in the middle of the heart of the order. That's a lot. That's a lot to ask. They did a good job. What do you think of Zimmer and what he's been able to bring to the table? And I, I don't know if someone asked you after the first game, but being able to beat one out and get a run, it, it kind of reminded you what he did a couple of years ago. You know, it, it I mean, it kind of goes to show you not everybody can just put the ball in play and survive, but Zim has that kind of speed where, you know, if all else fails, if he hits it, he's got a chance. He proved that today. Um, you know, it, it's 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 a component of his game that, that not everybody has. 
you know, you were right. Those games go fast, don't they? What did you think of that seven-inning format? Well, I mean, you know, I, I would have wished the first one would have only gone seven. But, <laughs> you know, I'm okay with it. I mean, I understand why they're doing it. You're trying not to have a bunch of, you know, a bunch of roster moves and pitching and everything. And so I'm okay with it. You know, I, what, I think there's other rules that I'll probably save my fight for. Did you manage any differently? You know, you know what I mean throughout the day because of it? No, I mean, I think you're certainly aware that when it's the fifth, it's really the seventh. But, you know, so, I mean, it's, I guess it's different in the fact that we brought Brian Shaw in. But, you know, you kind of treat it like, well, there's two innings to go. Dre, to be honest with you, it really, I mean, I, I understand your question. But because we're trying to keep Tristan kind of around that 85 mark and then with Cal, trying to stretch him out, it kind of takes the length of the game out of the equation. How tired are you after uh, your last 48 hours? I'm a little tired. <laughs> I'm a little tired. I think I'm going to sleep well tonight. I'm a little I'm, – I'm dragging a little bit. Interesting first game for Tristan McKenzie as he allowed five runs, but there was some shaky defense behind him. Wasn't around when the decision was made in the eighth inning as uh, the White Sox wanted an extra innings, but – McKenzie put his name in the Indians' record books as he struck out eight hitters in a row to uh, take away that record from Corey Kluber, who had the previous record of seven. But now McKenzie's in there with eight straight strikeouts in one game, and he talked about his day afterward. About the next batter, uh, the runners on base. I think there was just kind of some bad luck in that inning in terms of, like, giving up the hit to Collins. Uh, and then after that, it was kind of just settling in and realizing that it's a 4-2 game. It's still a close game, and we have a chance to win and going out there and trying to dominate those guys. What was working in that stretch uh, when you struck out at eight straight? Uh, I think the biggest thing was I was, I was getting ahead of guys. Uh, my fastball was working up in the zone, uh, curveball down. Uh, my slider worked, too. Uh, I think I was just kind of keeping them guessing, and I, I think I credit a lot of that to Renee. Were you aware when you headed back out for the sixth inning that uh, the, the Indians' record for consecutive strikeouts was – the seven and that you could break it. No, I did not. What's what's it mean that you did? Uh, hopefully it got us closer to a win. Uh, I mean, it's not that big of a deal to me and personally. Uh, I feel like it's more just go out there and try and win games. Do you feel like you've kind of taken some of the steps that you've wanted to take in the last few weeks and uh, had some positive progression there? Yeah, definitely. I feel like uh, the last, the, pa the past two starts have been more of an indication of who I would like to be as a pitcher in terms of like how I attack hitters and, and how I can actually get outs. Uh, just in like from the from the first inning to the fifth inning to hopefully the ninth, uh, and I hopefully just continue going in this direction. The game two starter was Cal Quantrill, and Quantrill had a, a solid performance pitching into the fourth inning, allowing just the one run. And he talked about starting. And his role on this team, what it is now, and what it could be. Al Tito talked about you trying to make this start as normal as you could, or like you were coming out of the pen. How did you think? What did you think of your routine and how you got into this thing? Got, got into things. Yeah, I think it's easy to, uh, or it's easy to, to want to go back and try and do like a starter's routine. Uh, for me, the reliever routine has clearly worked better. So. Kind of why not just keep doing it? Played catch before the first game, uh, just prepared like that, and then short pen and the game. So I don't think it was anything special, just what was working. So keep working with it. 
you use um, more of your pitches than you usually do when you're relieving? Yeah, I think we went like deeper into the bucket. Like we definitely threw more off-speed pitches than I have in the in the past maybe two three weeks. But I don't think that we tried anything that I hadn't been doing for the last uh, four or five appearances. Just maybe maybe a little more frequently. Tito said you you held your stuff longer and deeper into into the outing. Uh, was there anything to that? Did you do anything special to to make sure you maintained your your stuff throughout the outing? I mean, I've started every single year up until this year, so I'm actually a lot better at, or I shouldn't say a lot better, I'm a lot more used to that than I am to relieving. As you say that, and I know you're a good teammate, um, do you look at these opportunities, though, as an opportunity to prove or to show this organization or to show yourself that you can be a starter as well? No. Nope. Um, I think that we've got a good team. We've got a lot of good pitchers, and, uh, you know, whatever route they decide to choose is fine with me. I think it's important to remember that uh you know starting relieving whatever it's just you know you got to get through the innings that they give you so i don't think that this was some kind of statement or anything like that i think it was we needed a starter to go today and i was prepared to do it what do you think of these double headers and what's it like sitting through that first double header or even the, yeah. even yesterday too and knowing you're the last guy yeah i mean i thought i was going to hate going to seven and seven i thought it was changing baseball i have to say i think it makes a lot of a lot of sense now um you know, 28 innings in two days, you know, maybe that's, you know, if we play nine inning games, maybe that's not possible. So, um, I mean, it makes sense. I see why they do, they've done it. Um, I'm def, I'm sure there's players who, who don't like it, but um, feel like, you know, we, we were able to survive these last couple of days probably because of that rule change. You know, I'm used to watching both starters sit and relax. You were like pacing in the dugout. Um, is that just the intensity that you have when you're out there? No, I think some of that is just like, you know, that's what I've been doing relieving, um, uh, trying to stay engaged. I think that something I've just looking at my past starts, I've realized is, you know, like, am I slowing down in the, in the third, fourth, fifth inning? Am I, you know, am I losing intensity? I'm not saying that you can fake it on the bench, but maybe just finding a way to be a little more active. But uh, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that that was planned or thoughtful in any way. Boy, don't be surprised if you see Quantrill slide into that starting rotation from this point forward. The Indians will uh, shake things out after these double headers and then some off days coming up. But when they get back into that daily five-man rotation, we'll see if Quantrill's a part of that in the future. Well, the White Sox have been off to a good start this season, first two months, and they remain the team in front in the American League Central Division with a 33-21 and record after yesterday's action. Three and a half up on the Tribe, and we had a chance to catch up with their radio voice, one of their radio voices, Darren Jackson, longtime major leaguer with several teams, including the White Sox and the Cubs in Chicago. He works with a broadcaster who has broadcast for both teams, so uh, a lot going on in the Windy City baseball-wise, and it was just uh, great to see Darren Jackson and talk about his exciting ball club at the start of the season. Darren, uh, first of all, great to see you as uh, the the White Sox broadcasters travel. Uh, You went through some lean years with this ball club, but... No more of that, and and uh, how exciting has it been so far with the White Sox this season to see what they're doing and potentially could do more? You know what, Jim? I think you just uh, said it perfectly. How exciting is it to watch this team play? That's what they are. They're an exciting team from day to day. You don't know who in the lineup is going to step up and deliver. 
We've had Billy Hamilton the last couple of days deliver home runs to help us win ball games. He's had an RBI base hit to drive in a game-winning run. So with this club, the way it's banged up with some of the stars, like so many other clubs in baseball right now, we've got anybody and everybody stepping up. You just never know who it's going to be, which makes it really exciting for the fans because no matter who you're pulling for, you're seeing somebody step up and deliver, and you're winning games because of it. And it's I'm sure when you're in the rebuild, it seems like forever. But when, maybe last year, two years ago, three years ago, did you say, you know what, maybe this thing's going to be on the right track if they're patient with it? You know, the big problem we really had is after winning the World Series in 05, and, and we were getting close to the playoffs again, all of a sudden we were putting Band-Aids on the issue. We'll get rid of some guy, bring in some veteran that's had success. We kept doing that, and it didn't really help us get to the postseason. So we broke it down, and then we got the amazing talent and the trades that we picked up. Um, and then we waited for these guys to start getting used to playing at the big league level. And now it is paying off. You're right. Now, it, it's, it's good to be patient and let these kids go through their, their growing pains. But it didn't take them long. And, and, you know, we've got to say that Rick Renteria did a great job teaching these young players how to approach the game the right way. And now we have Tony La Russa, who is a proven champion, uh, you know, manager at the major league level that is leading these guys down a path to try and get us there. But, you know what, watching these guys succeed now and having some of the pitchers that are in the staff that are the veterans that are leading the younger, talented guys, I think it's irreplaceable what they've done to get the young talent and blend in the veteran leadership. And you know how that works. It usually works to where you're going to the postseason. You mentioned Tony La Russa, and, and nationally – there have been incidents over the course of the first month and a half of the season where uh, he's in the news for seemingly the wrong reasons. But on the inside, what's going on and, and how good has he been for this ball club at this particular time? Well, let's just say all the national negative stuff that was taking place was, was warranted. And, and it's pretty obvious that there are things that anybody can question, decisions being made. But Tony has a long-term plan of what he's doing. I've spoken to him, and some of the things on the surface look like that's a bad managerial move. But it was also early in the year to put a little ownership on some of these younger players and make them step up and deliver. When he saw that they couldn't, he took that task away from him, and he decided to go other directions and not put the pressure on him. This is a guy that knows he needs to find out what he has and then make the right adjustments. He's been doing that, and the players love playing for him. No matter what negativity has been out there sounds like from the players trust me that locker room they're unified and they've got Tony's back you mentioned the unification and it Tim Anderson just seems to have elevated himself into one of the real stars of the game Uh, what does he mean to this team not only on the field but everything else that goes into a winning ball club you know the the irony to his his persona is he looks flamboyant and you know he's brash and all that stuff bat flip guy he truly is just trying to have fun, and he is not a bad guy. He's not an idiot. He's a great teammate. He cares about his, his teammates a lot. They care about him. So he's one of those guys that on the outside, you're not a big fan if you're not a White Sox fan, but he's not a bad guy, and he has taken on the leadership role of the fun. You know, He's decided to be the guy to wear it for everybody else and let them become loose and have fun with him. And it's worked out well for us because it seems like in this era of baseball, more and more of the younger players feel this is the way the game's supposed to be played. And he's on the forefront and a leader in that category. So, you know what? Tim's going to be here and he's going to be not only a vocal, but also a, a, a guy in the locker room that's going to be a silent leader. So I think it's great for him to be that guy. Darren Jackson joining us, broadcaster for the White Sox, driving White Sox between games of today's doubleheader. Uh, DJ, the, you look at 
Chicago baseball, Cubs, White Sox, and it's so different, it seems. Uh, they're starting to, to increase capacity at both ballparks. What's it been like in the Windy City as we get closer and closer to normalcy, especially with, with two really good teams and a, a really exciting one on the south side? Yeah, well, let's just say that in both ballparks, all of a sudden with that increase uh, with attendance, we have been selling out. You know, we've had 20-plus thousand fans the last few games, and that's been really exciting. It seems like our ballpark is just absolutely packed. And it's a different energy in our ballpark that we've seen in years, whether we are winning or not. I don't know what's going on. It's like, uh, you know, the public has changed as well. They are chanting. They're starting unique chants that we've never heard. They're getting behind. It feels like Wrigley Field in our ballpark. They're getting behind individual players and chanting their names. These are things that never really happened. They've been chanting MVP all year long for Jose Abreu. So it's been an energy that we've never really sensed. And I don't know, other than the fact that they sense that this is a team that can go all the way, um, the city's pretty pumped that both teams are playing great, but in the end, I think we're drawing a little more action over our direction because of the youth that we have that's exciting. And you have a good perspective because you played for both. Uh, your broadcast partner has now broadcast with both, Len Casper, longtime television voice of the Cubs. Uh, in some dual cities like the Bay Area, New York City with two teams, uh, that might be an issue. How's it gone so far among fans of, of both the Cubs? Well, can you have both Cubs and White Sox? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, um, it's gone great. The transition for Lynn in particular, he's come over and immediately the fans have got his back. They're cheering his name. Where we go, they're calling him seventh inning stretch. They're waving at him, um, walking out in the parking lot. They've got his back. Hey, Lynn's great to have you. So, you know, playing on both sides, broadcasting on both sides, that's one of the things that I've learned over the years. In Chicago, it's not a kiss of death. All of a sudden, one side doesn't all of a sudden hate you. It's like, oh, you're with them now. Actually, it's just like, whatever, he's over there with them now, and you just move on. So it's an easy transition. All right, personal question. You're back out on the road. What has it been like to get back out and, and feel a part of the team that you cover on a daily basis again? You know, I will say this. Real easy in the past to take it for granted because it's what we've, we've always done. We've been around the players. We've been around the coaches. We've been around each other as broadcasters up in the booths. Oh, my God, to have it back again. It's irreplaceable. I, I don't even know how to describe it. When we went to Minnesota on our first trip, I sat there and stared at their ballpark and go, wow, I'm in another ballpark. This is surreal. I can't even believe it. And talking to the other broadcasters face-to-face, irreplaceable. I just, I'm going, I don't know that I appreciated it before. Just talking to you guys a little while ago, uh, pregame here, it's just one of those things to me that I never really appreciated until it was taken away. And I tell you, it's life lessons. It's true. It's a fact. When you get that back to that normalcy, you appreciate it much more. So thank goodness we're back out here. And just so fans know, we talk a lot of nonsense. <laughs> you in particular. <laughs> yes, that's right. DJ, great to see you, man. Thanks for coming by. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. That's Darren Jackson, broadcaster for the White Sox. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Rosie Report. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll have another one coming soon, most likely tomorrow. And we want to thank, as always, Bart Swain, Courtberry Tripp, Austin Contrullis from Indians PR. I'm Jim Rosenhouse. As always, thanks for listening and downloading The Rosie Report. This has been The Rosie Report.